Now, um, I'm not sure if you remember on Easter, we went through Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. So if you do me a favor and open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, I'd appreciate it. This, uh, this chapter is a great chapter for each and every one of us to remember who we were, what we are, and where we're going. And what I want to do, because this chapter actually is broken down in two pieces. The first one, verses 1 through 10, tells about us individually. The second part of it all, verses 11 through 22, tells us about, um, about the church and us as a church. The thing is, they mirror each other. I've asked Jerome if he would, uh, if he would read for us verses 1 through 10. Please read along with him. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy... And he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can appoint to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward from, for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. That speaks directly to each and every one of us and where we are in Christ. Why we are Christians isn't because of anything that we have done. It is because that we were chosen and because Christ died for us, not because we've done some amazing good works. And it carries over into verses 11 through 22. As we look at it, as we see verse 11 through 22, Paul's talking to the church. He's talking to the Jews and the Gentiles at the time. And see, there was this division between the Jews and the Gentiles. Even though they understood that Christ had died for them, all of them, the Jews still believed because of their circumcision, because of things that they had done, because they knew the law, because of those things, that they were better than the Gentiles. And as a matter of fact, within the temple, there was a wall that divided where the Jews could go beyond the wall, and where the Gentiles could go, where they had to stay on this side of the wall. They couldn't go in because they wouldn't, weren't good enough to go into that part of the church. And it's one of those things you look at and you think, how can we apply that today? But let's read the verse first. Jerome? Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ, 
You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when, in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross, and our hostility towards each other was put to death. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were so near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of, his, of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. If we had the time this morning, we could sit down, we could talk about the similarities between 2, 1 through 10 and 2, 11 through 22. Um, I'm just going to go over it real quick with you. If you really look at it, it tells us where we were, it tells us where we are, and it tells us where we're going to be because of where we are. We were alienated. We were separated from Christ. There's a point in time in our lives, both within the church and individually, that we were without Christ. Maybe you're at that point right now. You're without Christ in your life. You know about him, but you don't understand his saving grace. The second part is it's a reconciliation when Christ came and died for us. He came and died for your sins and my sins so that we could be reconciled to God. And because of that reconciliation, that leads us to the next part of where we will be, which is unified with God. We cannot be unified with God without the blood of Christ without the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. So many times we think, well, as long as I know God, I'm going to be okay. But that's not the truth. Just because we know God or know about God, we need to have a relationship with Him, and that only comes through the blood of Christ. And that's what Paul's talking about here. <clears throat> There's just a vision so it's within the church like I was talking about. That's between the Jews and the Gentiles. And as you look at that, we don't really have that division, but what division do we have? What's the us and them now? Maybe you've walked into a church and you've gotten the evil eye from somebody who's been in that church for quite a while. Because you're new, because you're not dressed right, because of one thing or another. 
you have a tattoo that's showing, I don't know, whatever it might be, you get those looks. And you feel like there's an us and them that takes place. Maybe that's what Paul's talking about in our day and age. Maybe it's a social status. Maybe it's an economic status. Maybe it's a spiritual status. There's the alienated to the reconciled. I don't know what it is exactly. But how do we break down those barriers? Because that's what Paul wants to happen here. It could even be racial. How do we do it? Well, the first thing Paul tells us to do is what are the first words in verse 11 of chapter 2? First words of verse 11 of chapter 2. There's some different, obviously, translations. Mine says don't forget, but if you have NIV, what's it say? What's that? Therefore, remember. Therefore, remember. The first thing we need to do is we need to remember where we were. That we were that person that is getting looked down upon by maybe even yourself. Because sometimes pride gets in the way. Sometimes we let pride overtake us. That we're better than somebody else. But Paul wants us to remember that what? We were once alienated just like them. The thing here is that we need to remember, and I don't know why we forget this, and maybe it is because of pride, but Jesus died for all. That video we showed at the beginning, the um, God is love, God is good video, um, that's a Michael Gunger band. I love that video. It goes through the fact that all these things, you know, it says God is not Republican. God is not American. God is not just for the straight, heterosexual white man. We have a tendency to, to think that in our brains for some reason. But God died for everyone. Do you remember when you were without Christ? Do you remember that? Some of you got saved when you were real little, so maybe you don't. You remember when you were without the hope of God? You see, as, as um, verse 12 comes in, it says, it says, don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. And then it says, in those days you were living apart from Christ, excluded from the citizenship of people of Israel. You didn't know God's promises. You lived in a world without God and without hope. Do you remember those days? There are people that sit next to you at work. There are people that will sit next to you at school when school starts again. There are people that are driving down the road like total morons that you're wanting to yell at and flip off and do all those kind of things that are without... How do you do sign language for flip, flip off? I'm just curious. No, I'm just kidding. Um... um, <laughs> um <clears throat> The, uh, the idea, we, we tend to look down on people like that. But we forget that's where we were once. We forget that's who we were until Christ reconciled us. 
As we remember this morning, let's think about that. After we remember where we were, Paul wants to remind us of who we are now because of Jesus Christ. And in verse 13 through 18, my, my Bible says, but now. But now you have been united with Jesus Christ. Remember where you were, but now remember where you are. I'm not sure if you can remember back to Easter, but we talked about a lot of big buts in the Bible. This is one of them. This is one of the big buts. Because when he says, but now, we can say, but now there is grace from God. But now there is hope eternally. There are days that I would sit in the radiation room. They they, they have a separate patient waiting room for you. Uh, because some people would have to go in and gown up because they were getting radiation in different parts of their body. And, and um, there would be three, four patients in there at a time. And I would look at them. And I would try and start small conversations just to talk, to, to do something. But my, my main thought that would go through my mind is, is, what's their hope in getting through this? I mean, what are they thinking about? Are they, when you're faced with cancer and you're being blasted with radiation, mortality is a thought that comes to your mind. It just, it just happens. The only reason why I'd ever worry about dying is because I have three little kids and a wife that I don't really want to leave behind. But on the other side, I'm going to be fine, and I know that. Because I have hope in a Savior. What do those people have hope in? There's so many people. You know that 91%, 91% of New Mexico is without hope. 91%. I mean, what's there? Two, three million people living in New Mexico? You take 91% of... Two million, what's that? 1.8 million people without hope living next door to us. Why do we have hope? It's because of Christ's blood. Because Christ reconciled our differences with God. Doesn't matter the past of the person, doesn't even really matter about the present of the person. What really matters is his future or her future and where they're at with God. Verse 14 tells us, For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united us into one people in his own body. Then you go down to 16. says he created himself one new people from the two groups. We are one body. We are one. <clears throat> Followers of Christ are one. There's no barriers between us. If that's the case, why do churches fight? Why do churches get hung up on
theological things that really don't make a difference at all? Why does that kind of stuff happen? If we are one, if we are followers of Christ, what are the things that come between us? I read an article this week that talked about that on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock is the most segregated hour of the entire week, which I thought was really funny until I look out across here and there's not a single African-American in here. Why is it so segregated in that type of way? Why are those kind of things that set up within the church? How does that happen? You know, there's economic barriers, there's racial barriers. And the sad thing is that sometimes there's even spiritual barriers within the church. Oh, sorry, you're not spiritual enough to be here with us. That can't happen because that's why Christ came. Christ came to break down those barriers so that we could be one body. So now, so now is the next two words that I want to look at in verse 19. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's people. You are members of God's family. This word here in 20. Together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Because of God sending his son to reconcile us, the separation between God and us is gone. It's gone. And as we look at it, the separation between you and your fellow Christ follower, it's gone. There is no dividing wall. There is no barrier. Our lives have changed. This week, over the last couple of weeks, I've been reading a book called Not a Fan. It's all a book about, well, it really is a book that just kicks you right in the teeth. I'll be honest with you. It talks about how American Christianity is about being a fan of Jesus versus actually being a follower. And it's one of those ones that will convict you and just make you shake your head and say, that's me. There's so many things that are so much more important than God, yet I give God my one hour on Sunday morning. I check it off my checklist and all is good. And it's not all good. And I think about that and I think about what Christ did for me to bring me to this point of reconciliation with God. What Christ did for me to save me from eternal damnation and separation from God. And what have I done to return? How has my life changed? How many of you in here are sports fans? When the Packers won the Super Bowl, 
I will remind you of that. Yes. Um, when the Packers won the Super Bowl this year, I was moderately excited. Okay? You guys laugh because you know that's not true. You know that I was just bouncing off the walls and going crazy. The Diamondbacks are actually a half game out of first place this year. I, I blows my mind. But I, I watch, I cheer, I get mad, I get excited for my sports team. How much more should we be excited for what God has done for us and that team that we are on together? How excited should we be for a baptism celebration to be able to baptize Shane? He, uh, he had a chance this week, and maybe if, I have a, if, if we have an opportunity, well, I'll have Shane share a little bit, um, not this morning, but, but here in the near future. Um, Juanita gave him a copy of our crazy love book that we're going through with our connection groups, and he read it this week. And uh, he sent a Facebook message to Juanita, who then sent it to me, and I had goosebumps and tears in my eyes when I read it. And um, I, I may have you share that soon. We'll, we'll talk more about it. I know you're going to be gone this week, but um, those are the things that matter. Those are the things to get excited about. When adults and kids alike give their lives to Jesus, to see their lives changed. That is what matters. Because unfortunately, the NFL season is going to start again, and there's 32 teams that are going to try and beat the Packers this year. I don't know if they're going to do it, but they're going to try. And at the end... It's going to happen again. Somebody else is going to win the Super Bowl? And it goes on and on and on. But this is a life change forever. And that's what we need to be excited about. I am very excited that I had the opportunity to be up here this morning. I thank each and every one of you, like I said, who filled in over the last eight weeks that I've been out. I thank you also for those of you who have been coming for your patience and waiting for me to, to be able to be up here. I thank you guys for um, those who have been in here setting up and tearing down and doing all those things. It's a, it's a burden. I know it is, but we do it, and I want to remind you of this, we do it for the team. There is an investment, an investment being made here. When you work with the children's ministry, you're investing in children's lives. When you are working in here just setting up, you're investing in the people who come on Sunday mornings' lives. It is a huge deal. Sometimes you may hate it. Sometimes you may love it. We're going to have a volunteer appreciation deal on the 31st of July. And I hope you can be here for it. It's going to be a little different of a service. We're actually going to cater a meal. So don't eat breakfast that morning. Um, we're going to just have a, all the um, tables set up in here and just have a good time and, um, and just enjoy each other's company and just say thanks to all of our volunteers. And if you haven't volunteered yet, pray about where God could use you because really that's what part of being the team is. 
Not just sitting. That's just being a fan. But it's being involved in the action. And there's one other person I want to thank for what, what's happened over the last um, eight weeks, nine weeks. And that's my wife. She, uh, she's had to deal with more than I have. You know, I, I sleep during the, during the treatments. I slept for two, three hours a day because it would just wipe me out. I'd sit in my recliner for the other times. I watch more Food Network and Travel Channel than I can possibly uh, count, care to log in a journal. But she had to deal with three kids. She had to deal with me getting sick. She had to deal with taking me over to get radiation, bring me back. She's a strong woman, and I thank God for her. And I th thank you, Christy, for all that you did over these times and bringing me here. But yes. Um, you know, my goal was to be able to eat a hot dog by 4th of July. Um, that was my goal. It's not going to happen. I tried to eat cream of wheat yesterday, and I nearly, well, cream of wheat's not great by itself, but when you can't taste it, um, it's even worse. Um, but, you know, I, I ask you to continue to pray for me, pray for Christy as we get through this, pray for our church as we continue to, to do what God has called us to do, and that is to reach Rio Rancho for Christ. Um. You guys have been amazing. I look forward to seeing you next week. Once again, if you have not uh, set up an RSVP with us at the, uh, at the 4th of July thing, we're going to do all the food, hamburgers, hot dogs, all that kind of stuff. Fireworks go off kind of right behind our house at Rio Rancho High School. So love for you guys to be there. It's going to be a great time of hanging out, even if it's your first time here ever. We're glad that you'll be there. That'd be fun. So um, RSVP with Christy. She's right back there in the back. And uh, we, have, we have two more songs to close out with.